All right, man, it's time for a fight podcast. This is uh, the International Fight Week. And there's a bunch of really cool cards coming up starting on Thursday. So, Andrew, how have you been? Pretty good. I've actually been sick since Tuesday, but um, been doing good. You know, I had that show yesterday. That was another show on Saturday. That was fun. Had, like, a bunch of people over for a barbecue yesterday. Built a grill. Oh, cool, man. <laughs> it was yeah, I saw some photos on Instagram, and, and you sent me some pictures, and a lot of a lot of you know a lot of friends were there. Some of the Jersey guys were there. That's awesome. Yep, sick. So uh, the first of uh, the three three night uh, stand of fights is uh, July seventh. That's a Fight Pass Fight Night, uh, headlined by uh, Rafael dos Anjos versus Eddie Alvarez. And um, once again, there's a lot of fights coming up, so we're just gonna kind of pick and choose which. Uh, which fights we're going to talk about. But I guess 200 warrants a couple words pretty much about each fight in that card because there's a lot of you know pretty pretty well-known guys fighting on that. Amazing card. Just like really amazing. So the first one that grabs my interest is uh, Mike, Mike Pyle versus Alberto. The first one that grabs my interest is Mike Pyle versus Alberto Mina at a welterweight fight. And, uh, you know, Pyle has been uh, fighting for a long time, man. I think he just turned 40 years old. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there's quite a few guys, actually, that are hitting either about to turn 40 or are in their 40s that are fighting in the UFC right now. So uh, he's always an exciting fighter. Um, he's 2-2 two and two in his last four. I feel like, though he's still active, he's like uh, kind of on his uh, waning years, I think, you know? And, yeah, uh, he's, you know, such a consummate professional. He's been fighting for so long, and he's he's been in the UFC now for a good amount of time. And when he got to the UFC, it was like, oh, wow, Mike Pyle's finally in the UFC. Yeah. You know, he was in WEC and things before that. But looking back through his history, I mean, he's been in the UFC since 2009. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely an old school guy. Um, and this, his opponent, Alberto Mina, is a, another guy with the uh, nickname Soldier of God. I don't know if you're aware of that. He's another soldier. Yeah, I of God. saw that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, somebody should just copyright that stuff. We only have to hear it once. It's so stupid. Yeah, and uh, he's heading into this fight uh, with a, a 12 and 0 record. Uh, this is his first UFC fight. Uh, I'm sorry, this is his third UFC fight. And his last win was over uh, Sexy Yama. Um, yeah, that's right. Split decision. Yeah. So there's a couple different ways of looking at this, I guess. This is another, maybe another one of those fights of a young guy coming in. They're giving him a name, you know, kind of seeing if like... Uh, actually, he's not that young. I think Mina's like 34 or 35 years old. So it's not like he's a young guy, but he's new to the UFC. So Pyle... Is definitely has like a higher name recognition than Sexy Yama. So this might be kind of like his test, uh, you know, a win with Pyle might position him, give him some, some weight, you know. And likewise with Pyle, we got this new guy, you know, this, this might sort of, uh, you know, speak about his abilities if he's able to defeat Mina. So uh, either way, it's gonna, I think it's going to be a good fight because Pyle always brings it. You know, he's crafty jiu-jitsu good striking you know he's a tenacious sort of guy so um yeah <clears throat> you know 
I'm actually going to vote on this one with my heart, and I'm going to go with Mike Pyle on it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that Pyle, you know, again, the guy's crafty. He's got a good ground game. He's got you know, great ground game. Uh, you know, very not slick striking, but he's uh, versatile. You know, yeah. like he stopped Spencer in that last fight with elbows and knees. When he's really um, quite violent with his Muay Thai when he gets in close and gets the clinch. Um, yeah, I think that I, I you know, the sexy Yama, he's the type of guy who just, he hasn't performed. And I remember in that fight, it was very difficult to watch what he was doing. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't think that really means a whole lot. No. I don't think that Mina really set the world on fire by split decisioning, you know, Akiyama. And um, while I think that he's the long fighter, you know, he's, he's very long arms, limbs. Uh, and that's the type of fighter that has presented issues for Pyle in the past with, like, uh, Matt Brown, Jordan Meehan, Colby Covington. Um, I don't think that Mina is on that level. You know, those guys are all... Well, except for Covington, you know, like all like fringe 10 or Brown, you know, he's probably ranked in the low end of, of the top 10 yeah. at welterweight. Um, and I just think, yeah, I think that uh, it's going to be a, the, the fight for uh, a pile to lose. I think yeah, he can he can win this. He's crafty enough. He's smart. Yeah, it's a good way of putting it, the fight for him to lose. Yeah. The next one actually looks like it's going to be um... – very interesting. It's like Irish Joe Duffy versus Mitch Clark at the lightweight uh, division. You know, Duffy uh, has got an impressive 14-2 and record with a, most recently he, he broke his winning streak against uh, Dustin Poirier, um, you know, who Poirier stopped him. And uh, Clark is 11-3, and and both of these guys are coming off of losses. Clark just lost to uh, Michael Chiesa, who actually is putting together a pretty impressive run right now, Chiesa. So... You know, losing to a guy like Kies is, uh, you know, no, no, no real knock on his abilities because he seems to be beating. Totally, everybody. yeah, yeah. Michael Kiesa definitely is like, he's. It's tough because I want to say he's going somewhere, and I do think that he kind of is. But the same way, I sort of feel like he has already solidified himself for where he's maybe going to be, which, uh, no knock on him. I think is like in the top ten. Definitely. For a really long time, um, Mitch Clark, great all-round uh, fighter, but really good on the ground. Uh, he submitted Al Quinta not too long ago, and I, and I Quinta is somebody who also, uh, if he can stop getting injured, will be in the top ten pretty, yeah. pretty soon. You know, and I Quinta is in that uh, camp with, um, you know, Ray Longo, which is a pretty heavy grappling camp too. So you know. Being able to submit Iaquinta is probably a you know pretty pretty formidable task, you know. But for Definitely. me, I, I kind of feel like I'm I'm picking Duffy to edge this one out. I feel um you know, watching his past fights, he's relatively new in the UFC. Uh he's got very sharp uh, striking. And uh if anything, hopefully that loss to Poirier might have motivated him. And he's training out of the TriStar camp, which is a you know yeah. top top world class uh, camp right now. Yeah, I think that Duffy. Um, I don't think that Clark is. He's tenacious, but I don't think he's gritty enough. 
you know, that's really what in that that fight with uh, the Diamond Poirier, where uh, he just kept on coming at Duffy and coming at him and coming at him and rolling with him, taking him down and like just going after it and after it and after it until he finally got it. And I, and Clark, he's tenacious. I just don't think that he's that is gritty. Yeah. <coughs> and also Duffy's uh, return to the uh, lightweight division. I think that's clearly his weight class. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, not Duffy's. Poirier's return to the lightweight division. That's clearly a Poirier's weight class, man. I think that um, that he 145 just drained him too much. And seeing Poirier fight at that, just that 10-pound difference, man, really, you know, he came alive. And, uh, you know, and I think that losing to Dustin Poirier is, is like, you know, he, he's, I think he's going to be on a, a streak from here on out. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm siding with Duffy on this one. Yeah, absolutely. I'm picking Duffy in this one, too. Um, yeah, and again, going back on Poirier, you can just see with him fighting now at lightweight instead of featherweight. I think the featherweight for him because he, you know, took an opportunity and it was working out well until he was like, you know, man, this isn't <laughs> this isn't working out so well for me. Just cutting the weight, you know, you could feel yeah. it, um, and he felt like he underperformed in the McGregor fight where he could have been better. And at lightweight, you know, his confidence is—you can see—he's so confident. He feels so good. He's, he really puts it all together. It's all. I mean, he's got everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Duffy had a hell of a, a fight ahead of him. Any any lightweight would have had a really hard time with Dustin right now, and you know, on that night. Um, I think Duffy can take care of business here. I'm sort of a little leery about what uh, TriStar is going to do with him. Um, I hope that they help him out with wrestling, but I, I also hope that they don't sort of turn him into like a, a like a more uh, I, I don't necessarily mean defensive but like um, like counter punching um, you know hey they make guys that have great jabs but I don't, I don't know we'll see what happens but I'm picking Duffy we got uh, Alan Juban versus Bilal Muhammad at the welterweight division and uh you know, Juban is uh, like 13-4. and four. He's 3-1 and one in his last four and recently lost to Albert Tumanov, which uh, is a pretty tough opponent. And uh, I think uh, this, might, opponent. this might be uh, Mohamed's uh, UFC debut, if I'm not correct. You know, I think I'm correct in, assume, in saying that. I think he's yeah, I've never heard of him, man. Yeah, I think this know? might be his first fight in the UFC. But he's undefeated, but we don't know what kind of competition he's had. Um, you know, in his last, you know, he's like nine and zero is what they have him listed as. Um, so I mean, you know, this is to use your term. This is uh, Alan Juban's uh, fight to to win or to lose. <laughs> you know, totally. I mean, uh, Alan Juban is like <laughs> he's fun to watch, man. He is. Yeah. He, he's got uh, nine out of his thirteen wins. Nine are by TKO KO. Yeah, it's like he is always really exciting when he's fighting. Um, his, uh, in the cage intelligence at times can be a little confusing when he decides to sort of just throw it out the window and brawl, you know? Um, and usually it's a pretty technical brawling style he uses. He's, you know, I think he's a very competent striker. Um, and I don't, I don't know anything about this Bilal Muhammad guy. Um, so I, I don't know like what he's 
best that, I mean, hell, I mean, Joe Bond might be in the same boat, you know. He's coming into this fight against a, a relative unknown, yeah. um, you know, aside from his record, like you said. But it looks like he fought in Titan FC last and knocked out Steve Carl, who was the last uh, WSOF champion um, before uh, Husamar Pajares. So that's a good win, you know, and he knocked him out in the fourth round. So he had some cage time, you know. Um, that's gonna be pretty interested about it, you know. If if uh, he fought against Steve Carl, but that's a totally different fighter. I mean, Steve, Steve Carl is like this tenacious, like, um, not trying to overuse a word, but he just comes forward and goes for takedowns and submissions, and it's just like constantly coming forward at you. And Joe Bond is just like a you know Muay Thai uh, striking machine. So yeah. it's, it's total type of fighter. But I think this is gonna be a pretty exciting fight. The next one is really interesting, man. It's Roy Nelson versus Derek the Black Beast Lewis at the heavyweight division. Good Lord. And, um, yeah, man, someone's definitely going to get knocked out in this fight for sure, man. <laughs> Holy crap, dude. And, um, yeah, man, it's like, uh, it's you know, Roy Nelson is known as a heavy-handed striker, even though he's got, you know, an incredible uh, ground game. But uh, he's one in three in his last four. And the last guy that he beat was Jared Rochalt, who is no longer in the UFC. And he's got losses to Josh Burnett, Alistair Overeem, and Mark Hunt. All, you know, great fighters. Now, Lewis is putting together a pretty solid record. And um, he's on a three-fight win streak. And his last fight, um, they fed him Gabriel Gonzaga, um, who he KO'd in the first round. Okay, That was rough. And that was... But, you know... <coughs> Gonzaga was like the first name, quote unquote, name fighter that he's fought. And Gonzaga is definitely, he's been knocked out a few times. He's not the same guy that we've seen in the past. So I feel like Roy Nelson is really sort of another, another you know, proving ground for, for Lewis in his, uh, you know, in his career. And even though Roy Nelson, you know, has won one fight in his last four, I'm still gonna. I still feel that Nelson's got what it takes to put to put the Black Beast down, man. Honestly, you know, because like, you know, even though this, the, you know, Lewis is a hard hitter, but he's not incredibly skilled. Like, I don't see him. He's just like a a raw, bestial force, primal force, you know. And uh, you know, Nelson's pretty crafty, man. I mean, he's he's never well. He got knocked out by Hunt, but in general, he's got a pretty outstanding chin man i mean not a lot you know you get hit by hunt you're probably going down so aside from his knockout by hunt i don't think anyone's ever knocked out roy nelson am i right about that or, or what uh andre arlovsky ah okay right arlovsky knocked him out but but still man I, i'm gonna say i'm gonna pick roy nelson on this one yeah i think that's a pretty wise pick um some uh, again you were talking about there's a lot of guys who are uh you know 40 and uh, Roy Nelson just turned 40 uh, last month. Yeah. And, um, you know, these are big dudes. We're going to have like 600 pounds of guy in there, you know? It's yeah. Like, it's uh, these are big dudes. And uh, while, while Roy Nelson, I think that, you know, I don't know what ground game he has at this point. You know, his, uh, 
when's the last time he worked on the ground? I don't know. And, and, and what weight was he then? Well, you remember he took down Josh Barnett a couple times in that fight. There was a little bit of groundwork in that fight. Not not crazy amounts, but he took him down. He shot a takedown. There was a little bit of ground on that. Uh, I don't remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So I was shocked. I should watch that again. Yeah, I was shocked to see that. But, um, but you he know, would, he's, he's he a black belt. He would destroy the black beast if he took him down. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because Derek Lewis on, the, on his back. Yeah. No, it's, it's always game over. But, uh, but yeah, it wasn't, wasn't Lewis like, uh, wasn't he like spend time in jail and stuff like that? There, he's got like some checkered past, I believe. I don't know. I think, I don't know if I'm right about that. I don't, I can't, I don't remember. Uh, um, he's fun though. He's a fun guy and he's sort of funny. He's always sort of crazy. That Gonzaga fight was sad. Gonzaga came in. He came in heavier than he's ever weighed in the UFC. He looked so out of shape. Yeah. He looked like the Bob Sapp equivalent of a U, like a UFC heavyweight. Some dude who goes in there out of shape just to collect a check, and, and that's it, you know? And it's like, oh. Uh, what I was saying earlier, though, was uh, I think Roy Nelson's striking is going gonna, is gonna to win on this one for sure. I think that Lewis is super powerful. Yeah. Dude hits like a truck. But um, I don't know. I, don't, I think he's too wild. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah just, I think they're probably going to brawl, and uh, I think that Nelson's chin's going to win out. Yeah, Nelson's just got so much experience, too, man. You know, I mean, he's an old-time vet. He's been at this game for a really long time, and I think that just that, that ring experience is going to win out, too. He's going to have, a, you know, a little bit more of a, you know, just like a, a, a fight IQ, you know, more so than, than Lewis, you know. Now, the title fight, Rafael dos Anjos versus Eddie Alvarez for the lightweight title, and uh, you know the uh, you know RDA is a beast. You know, especially lately. You know, the last few fights, including his uh, his win over um, over Pettis to get the title, Rafael uh, dos Anjos has just been on fire. I just feel like you know his game has like stepped up like exponentially over the last couple of years. Um, and Alvarez, I feel. You know, once he came up from Bellator, I kind of feel like he got—he started off sort of got a slow start in the UFC, but uh, recently he's got wins over Melendez and Pettis. You know, so that's positioned him for the for the title shot. You know, he Cerrone fought uh, RDA, lost, so I guess it makes sense for for uh, Alvarez to be the next one in line to contest the title. So uh, yeah, I think Alvarez has earned this. I'm happy to see that he finally is like. Getting a title shot. I can't remember if when he fought. No, no, he beat Gil, so obviously it wasn't. Yeah, so it's like if the Alvarez who if, if Alvarez fights RDA like he fought Michael Chandler, if he fights like he used to fight, you know when he fought like, uh, oh man, I knew I was gonna forget his name. That uh, Norwegian fighter. Damn it. Anyways. Um, it's on tip my tongue. Long weekend, kind of burnt out, I guess. Oh, I can't man, remember <laughs> some, uh, you know, random uh, MMA uh, legend from Norway. <laughs> um, but I think that Alvarez, man, he, he's been fighting some really conservative fights, so he's lucky he got the title shot. That Pettis fight was ugly, but uh, pretty Tony didn't do himself any favors either, you know, sitting against the fence with his hands up going, hey, he's not fighting. You know, it's like, dude, you need, you need to stop what's happening to you because you know you're not fighting either you're losing yeah and um 
you know, the Melendez fight was kind of the same thing. Um, I don't, Eddie can't do that to RDA. No. That's not going to happen. He doesn't have that option. Uh, RDA is super fast. He has fast hands, man. And uh, he's been doing great with his striking at King's MMA with uh, Rafael Cordero. And uh, I mean, I've been an Eddie Alvarez fan for a, a really, really long time. And I would love to see like a Cinderella story, man, and see that guy shine. Um, I don't think, you know, he's not going to have any of the same problems he had with like Cerrone, who's super long. Yeah. And that was the issue there. He just couldn't get inside of that range uh, and start getting destroyed on the outside. Um, uh, you know, I, I, RDA, RDA is probably going to win because he has turned into such a complete MMA fighter. He's really amazing. But I've been an Alvarez fan forever. I'd love to see it happen. I'm gonna go with RDA, even even though um, I definitely I kind of I kind of on, on your page where like you know Eddie Alvarez is like the Rocky Balboa of MMA. You know he's from Philly. You know he's kind of like Cinderella story. You know he's been at it for a while. I, I'd like to see Alvarez win at some point, but I just don't think it's in the cards. I'm gonna defeat RDA right at this stage. You know, and that's a tough division too, man. That lightweight division. Yeah, I will say if Alvarez went. I don't think he could keep it. It's tough. It's very tough. That division is is really, really difficult. Uh, the fighter I was trying to think of was Joaquin Hansen. Ah, okay. Joaquin Hansen. All right. They had a great fight back in the day. So moving right along, we're up to July 8th now. It's like the ultimate fighter finale. And um, out of the three days, this is the one that's like, you know, I'm definitely going to watch it, but uh, not as like rich with talent as the other two days, I think. Um, you know, there's like a little bit more of a low-key card. We got the title defense with Ioana uh, on Jacek versus Claudia Tegadelia. And uh, probably the one fight aside from the title fight that jumps out to me is Ross Pearson versus Will Brooks at the lightweight division. And um, Will Brooks, obviously a uh, former Bellator champ, um, moving up to, to the uh, UFC. And uh, this is his uh, his debut with the UFC, and um, he's got a tough guy ahead of him. This is like you know Ross Ross Pearson's like a you know it's not a cakewalk. This isn't like a gimme fight for uh, for Will Brooks at all, you know. And uh, though Pearson has had some ups and downs in his career, he's two and two in his last four. Um, you know, I think he came off a fairly long layoff too, right? I think so, right, Pearson. Uh- Pearson? Yeah. Where did he fight? I thought Pearson just, Pearson just fought and won a split decision. Um, what the heck was that? Uh, real quick. Uh, he just won a split decision over Chad LaPriest. That's right. Oh, okay. That was in March. Okay. So that wasn't that long ago. But prior to that, wasn't he like kind of inactive for a while? He was very active. He fought in January. Oh, but okay. then before that, September 2015 all the way to January. So, you know, he, he had okay, a long yeah. break there. Yeah, I, I knew there was, like, some period of inactivity. But now he's, I guess he's back in the saddle. So, uh, yeah. But, but this well, should be this uh, is- interesting, man, because, you know, Brooks was a champion, and it's kind of like that comparison of Bellator and the UFC. Like, who, you know, how do their champs stack up in, in the UFC divisions? So, Well, Brooks is a physical freak. Yeah. That guy, that man, his... He's it's so explosive. His movement, his takedowns are just like lightning quick. Um, 
he's creative on the feet. Uh, you know, I like. I, I can't wait to see where he is now. You know, he's been away for a while. You know, waiting out his Bellator contract. I listened to an interview that I think it was with Ariel Hawani with Will Brooks, and Will Brooks was just talking about you know, the difficulty of sitting out. Uh, on the sidelines, waiting to see what would happen, waiting to see who he'd re-sign with. Uh, you know, it wasn't going to be Bellator. And um, just talking about how tough that was, you know, how <laughs> you're not making a paycheck really, you know, and, and you're sort of waiting there. And I guess he went through some, through some trials and tribulations. And, um, you know, like I think he lo- like lost a very close, important person to him. And he was talking about when he was coming up, he was living in his car. Yeah. It was a really emotional interview. Mm-hmm. It was great. It was really cool to, like, have someone just be so honest. And, you know, I respect him so much as a fighter, and I'm very, very interested in him in the UFC. And it, it was cool to hear him as a person, too. Um, this is a tough fight, you know? Yeah. I, I, Will Brooks is getting, like, a really stiff gatekeeper test here, yep. you know? Because... Um, there are times where Ross Pearson's really on and you know, he's looks just as good. You know, he's beaten some, some strong people out there, you know, Felder, uh, the priest. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough fight for him. I think that at the end of the day, Brooks is going to prevail on this one though. I mean, you know, I followed Dick the later end of his career in Bellator and uh, you know, he, he caught me. I mean, I don't watch every single Bellator but usually on Friday nights I'm home, so <laughs> I uh, if I'm in town and I'm able to, I usually watch their fights. But I, I've caught a few of his fights, and I was like very impressed by uh, his abilities. And I heard that same interview with him, and it made me I became a fan of his as a person too. Uh, but still, I aside from all that, I still think that on a technical level, uh, Will Brooks is going to be motivated. You know, he's a great fighter, and I feel like. He's really going to want to put an exclamation point on his entry into the UFC. So, uh, so I'm, I'm picking Will Brooks in this one. You reminded me actually. He did say that too. He said when he comes into the UFC, he like you know not this isn't verbatim, but he wants to blow people out of the water. He's yeah. like, he's like I want to go straight to that title, and you don't go to the title by winning by decisions. You go up by like going in there and just destroying a guy. So he's like, I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to destroy Ross Pearson, which. You know, it's that's tall sad. Order. <laughs> I like Ross Pearson. He's yeah. a nice guy. It's a tall but, order, um, though, man. You know, you know, he's going for it. Will but, Brooks is he's in it to win it. Yeah, you know, but maybe no one told Ross Pearson that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That he's supposed to get. You know, he's gonna. You know, it's gonna be a great fight, though. I'm really looking forward to this one. And you brought up that um, that Clay, uh, Gray Maynard's fighting on this uh, card as well, right? Four fight losing streak, Gray Maynard. This yeah. is it, man. Yeah, I think, I think this is definitely it for Gray. I mean, and, and he's been getting KO'd and, you know, so. Uh, yeah, it was, it's been rough. It's been a rough ride. I yeah. mean, he was winning that Yakovlev fight, I felt. He was doing really he was doing really well, and then he got clipped. You know, it's just his chin these days. He takes a clip, and that's it's kind of it, man. I mean, that was rough. It's rough to see. It's like, you know, I hope that win, lose, or draw, preferably when he retires. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the same thing with – um. With Dan Henderson, man, I was hoping that with his last win that he was going to call it a day and, and ride out into the sunset. And uh, But now apparently there's like talk of him fighting uh, <laughs> Michael Bisping. And yeah, bring it. Just do it. Dude, yeah. 
But uh, what a fucking mess that middleweight division's in now, man. It's funny. It's just like, you know, Rockhold loses the belt. And look, you know, both of those guys are kind of dicks, honestly, Bisping and Rockhold. So to say one over the other, like on a personality level, it's like a moot point, really. But for me, I actually think it's cool that Bisping won the title because the guy has Absolutely. been knocking on the door for years and he's mm-hmm. never gotten a title shot. So for him to get a title shot and win, it just makes a nice, you know, sort of like closure to his experience as an MMA fighter. But on the downside, all of that ranking and, uh, you know, who's earned a shot and all the stuff, you know, Jacare, it's like all thrown out the window now. The whole thing. And now it's like, oh, yeah, we want to we want to match him up with Dan Henderson, who's like not even in the top 10, you know, because uh, they had a fight, you know, years ago. And, you know, there's all this like uh, sort of WWE style matchmaking going on. But, you know, hey, at the end of the day, it's all in good fun, man, at least for, you know, for me and you. Like, we don't got to get in there and get beat up by these guys. Oh, yeah. You know, man, well, two things. One, when did we enter an alternate dimension when did we enter when did we leave the dimension we were in where like michael bisping was like hanging out in like the top 10 and entered a world where he beats anderson silva and then knocks out luke rockhold and becomes the champion like yeah what the hell i know like, right that, that was not in, that was not in, on the timeline man nope you know? yeah i mean but you know hey the math works out though right i mean though you know all right anderson silva we know he's never been the same after he got knocked out by Chris Weidman, okay? And, uh, you know, he's another guy who's in his 40s, just turned 40, I believe, Anderson Silva. So you're more likely to beat Anderson Silva now than you were, say, four or five years ago, or say two years ago, you know? So, but still in all, even with all that said, the math still works out to put him in title contention. And the fact that I believe Jacare was injured possibly, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, actually that's, yeah, Weidman got, it, Weidman got hurt. And then Jacare either was still on medical suspension or had some sort of issue with his elbow or there was some injury. Yeah, or toe or something. Yeah, there was some injury that prevented him from stepping up to take uh, Weidman's uh, spot in that fight. So it's like this very cosmic series of events which put Bisping at the right place at the right time and suddenly he's the champion and there's chaos in the middleweight division so it's all fun though man honestly it's kind of cool when stuff like this happens every now and then yeah it's just part of the sport for sure and hey man if we are in this this uh what was an alternate reality and is now our reality then it only makes sense that then Dan Henderson fights for a title shot against Bisping and hey, man, Dan Henderson then wins and finally gets his, uh, a belt in the UFC. You know, that would be wild. That would be so crazy. Actually, it's kind of cool how both Bisping gets a title and Henderson might get a title. And then Henderson, hey, should see the writing on the wall and do himself a favor and just ride out into the sunset, man. You know? Yep. That's, that would be the move right there. Put the belt right there on the octagon floor and say... Retire hey. on the spot if he ends up beating uh, Bisping. That's how it should go down. So Sure. I back that fight, even though it makes absolutely no sense in the rankings. But, you know, fuck it. Let it, let it happen, man. Yeah, man. You only go around once, man. YOLO. 
you know, <laughs> you only live once. <laughs> so now <coughs> the much heralded UFC 200 on July 9th, which, you know, has gone through a couple different iterations. I'm sorry, man. Your motion. Real quick. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to say anything about the, you want to, Oh shit. How could I forget? How could I forget you wanting on J-Check and Claudia Gadelia? I must be reading down this thing here, and like I must have skipped them. Um, so yeah, the title fight between Joanna Young Jacek and Claudia Gadelia, which is a rematch, a, a controversial rematch between these two uh, ladies. And um, you know, I don't know, a couple of years ago, uh, JJ edged the victory out over Claudia, and some people believe that Claudia actually uh, won. You know, I'm on the fence. I I watched that fight a couple times. And uh, one time I watched it and I felt Claudia might have won. And then the other time I watched it and I kind of felt like Joanna might have won that one. But uh, since that fight, Jan Jacek has been on this tear. And uh, the only loss that Claudia has is to Joanna Jan Jacek too. So it's a very up in the air kind of situation. And... I didn't. I only watched like I think two episodes of The Ultimate Fighter, and they're coincidentally this year they're the coaches, and I don't know that 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 show has lost my. I haven't seriously watched that show in a few years. Like I didn't. I didn't even watch the McGregor, um, uh, you know, I have Faber season either. Me neither. Yeah, I, I just I can't stand looking at Conor <clears throat> McGregor more than like a couple <laughs> seconds at a time. So uh, so here we are. We have um, the rematch. When ne- the first time around, neither one of them had a title, and uh, now the title's on the line. And uh, I don't know what do you think? Five rounds. Five rounds. That's right. Um, man, Joanna's just like on a tear, and you know her her takedown defense has improved so much, and uh, her striking is just so crisp and fast, and you know, like her like volume punching. Oh man, it's just. It's beautiful to watch her striking. And Claudia's, uh, she's great too. She's all around. You know, her ground game is fantastic. Um, uh, it, I think that, that Joanna is um, probably not the same fighter that she was. I, don't, I mean, I don't think that Claudia is the same fighter either. But I, I, she might be, Joanna might be even further, you know, if they were together on the same track and they're like you know and then they hit that finish line and it's like oh you was just maybe a little bit ahead well then they kept running and i feel like you you know with that win and then getting the title defending the title these are just like little further clicks along moving ahead of claudia you know whether that it's um it's her training it's her confidence it's her time spent in the cage she has way more cage time than claudia does at this point um i think all of those things are really going to add up to a win for joanna i put a lot of thought into this one you know and uh this is my i made this sort of analysis on this uh yes claudia um and joanna have both been improving joanna has been fighting championship defenses title defenses however unlike the the men's division in the women's division, the level of competition versus the champion is not as great, I think. Like, if you're, if you're say, say you're the bantamweight champion in the men's division, 
you're fighting for sure the best competition in each title defense. However, at the strawweight division in the women's uh, you know, <clears throat> MMA, you, you, your differential between your ability and whoever might be contending for that title, I think, is greater. And I don't necessarily think that it's such a shallow new division. Like, it's a new thing that those title defenses, I don't think the, def- the contenders were at the same level that Claudia was at. I think that she's actually better than a lot of the people that Ioana defended the title against. Okay. Then on the other side, Ioana Jacek has a tremendous amount of cage experience and ring experience in her Muay Thai background. I mean, she's, you know, had probably hundreds of fights at this point, you know, or maybe not, I don't know, a lot. She's had a lot. Maybe she's not had a hundred, but like, you know, in Muay Thai, they fight all the time. So she's got that comfort level of, of that competition, um, competitive comfort, you know. But then, you know, similar to what happens to people who or enter the limelight, you know, it's hard to say that I, something tells me that I have this feeling. I'm going to go with the, the underdog in this one, and I'm actually going to pick Cla- uh, Claudia, you know. Maybe it's like uh, over self overconfidence. Um, in the t- in the couple of episodes of the Ultimate Fire that I did watch, I feel that there might be a little bit of maybe she's not taking Claudia seriously. But then again, who knows? I mean, it might be just gamesmanship. You know, the way they edit this whole thing too. But um, since Cla- since Joanna has had like such an easy time dispatching all the contenders, I feel like she might be putting Claudia in that same painting her in that same brushstroke as her as her other uh, opponents you know and I just think that Claudia brings a whole different game and a better ground game than most of the people that uh, that Jan Jacek has faced you know so I'm still I'm gonna I'm gonna go and I'm on a limb and I'm gonna pick Claudia I didn't see that coming <laughs> I know because I've been like, singing the praises of Johanny on Jacek for like for, for sure. years that's interesting. The one thing that worries me about Claudia is she seems to be very, 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 very emotionally yeah. invested in this. Yep. Where she's like constantly, like, you know, they don't like each other. Yeah. But Claudia's like, you know, really letting the emotions boil over and get to her. And that could affect her in the fight. It could tire her out. You know, That's she true. go in there and just have a crazy, you know, uh, uh, energy dump because she's so emotional. Um, but, you know, hey, again, that's just speculation just based on, again, I watched two episodes. Yeah. I was on a plane and it was on TV and I was like, yeah, I'll watch this. Either way, it's going to be a great fight. And, uh, you know, f- yeah. five rounder. Um, most likely, I think this one would go to the distance, you know. I mean, that straw weight, it's really hard for those women to knock each other out. I mean, even, even the men's lighter divisions, knockouts don't come very, uh, you know, very, very easily, you know. Well, and Jacek did have two of her three title fights and in TKO. Damn it, I didn't mean to close that window. All right, man. So, uh, so now we, I guess we can move on to 200, which is the much-heralded UFC 200 July 9th. So fin- good. Finally. This is a great card all the way from top to bottom. and uh, It's crazy good. Yeah. And uh, originally, I guess, the uh, the Nate Diaz-Conor McGregor fight was supposed to be, uh, the rematch was supposed to be on this. But uh, You know, uh, it's like, 
this is bigger now. I was kind of worried that, you know, there's so many people that are like, oh, we got to watch Magic Mike, Mac, whatever, Mac Burger. Um, and it's like, when he, when that dropped off, I was happy. Yeah, me too. I, I was like, you know, I, I, the rematch is stupid to begin with. Yep. And then I was like, oh my God, this is the UFC 200 headliner. This is it. This is all you got for us? Man, this card really did like a major turnaround when they added Jones, DC, and then recently Lesnar came out of retirement. It's like, what the hell? Amazing. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's. That's a little bit of like a you know showbiz fight, but for sure it's going to be good though. Um, real quick about that um, McGregor Nate Diaz rematch. Yeah, when since when does somebody who gets finished in the second round get a get a rematch? You know, it's like you know Diaz might have, he said this on his own too. It's like you know there's pl- tons of fights where I've wanted to get back and you know they never gave me rematches. T.J. Dillashaw, who fought a competitive fight against Tom, Dominic Cruz, lost the title is fighting on this card against Rafael Asuncao. And um that's a rematch too. Yeah, but it's not I mean he should get a rematch against uh fucking Dominic Cruz though, man. Like why does he have to wait? Yeah, actually it's pretty stupid that they're taking two guys that are like probably number 2 and number 3. It's like Asuncao, like well then who's next in line uh at bantamweight after you know, now now you're like, you know what I mean? Like you're you're taking out one possible contender yeah. to get you're putting two in there and to get one. It's like, uh, but you you had two. It's kind of bad business. It's, it's weird matchmaking. Yeah. You know, and, and as much as I love Uriah Faber, uh, you know, he didn't really he hadn't really earned a uh, a fight against um you know Cruz, even though there's like a history there and whatever, but like it should have been an immediate rematch to Dillashaw and then you know the chips fall where they may after that you know so yeah i'm a little bummed by that whole thing but you know mcgregor you know he he had a full training camp and he and he gassed out after seven minutes you know it's because he tried to go in there and knock out nate nate had no training camp no fucking sparring um you know finished mcgregor even though everyone says it's a submission he actually was about to knock him out and that's why he went for that hail mary takedown and with the uh, beauty of uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, was able to secure his victory. So McGregor now, okay, he's going to conserve his energy. So what does that mean? He's going to try to outbox Nate for five rounds. He's going to try to not knock him out right away. Is that his like his new uh, tactic to to beat Nate Diaz? You know, Nate Diaz, who has quite a bit, quite a few losses on his record. You know, my one of my favorite fighters in the world, but you know, he's not. You know, he has never been champion, and he's never... He, I know he fought RDA, lost to him. But he's uh, arguably, uh, you know, not a, a top one or two guy in that division. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. It, it, it's a big, you know, showbiz extravaganza with really no implications for who's going to fight for a title or anything like that. It's kind of, like, pointless, that whole thing. So, I don't know. I don't mean to get off the subject here with furthering this too much, but is that fight at 170 again? It's once again a fight, a weight class that neither one of those guys fight at, 170. Jesus. That fight. (laughs) If anything, Uh, it proves that McGregor isn't even competitive with anybody who's actually in the welterweight division. 
you know, I mean, you know, if Diaz beat him, and Diaz has had, you know, he's had a couple fights at 170, but his his division's 155. So, you know, there was that talk of McGregor fighting Robbie Lawler if he were if he was to beat Rafael dos Anjos at 155, which most likely would never happen. There was talk of him going up to taking the 170 shot against Robbie Lawler. I mean, what? Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see that fight just because uh. it would be a bloodbath, but. I don't know, man. Like it just. Um, I'm I'm glad this whole thing happened because it kind of put a, a sense of reality back into the situation, you know. And it's just, and it, you know, if Nate when Nate beats this guy again, it's gonna, you know, what he's gonna he's, he's gonna be zero two in his last two fights. You know, I feel like the 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 dog and pony show is gonna be ending soon. So, yeah. Anyway, I hate that I talk about McGregor so much because it's just, this guy bothers me so much. So anyway, this whole fight, man, every every fight in this card, man, it opens up with Jim Miller versus Takamori Gomi in the lightweight division. And these are like two battle fight. battle-tested vets, man, both of these guys. And, uh, you know, both of these guys are a little bit older. You know, they've had some uh, ups and downs, you know, in their careers. But it's gonna, I think it's going to be, um, you know, be, be an awesome... Uh, Awesome, fun fight. A great way to kick off UFC 200. And a fight between guys with no title implications. It's just going to be a fun, you know, brawl. You know, probably a lot of ground. One round, Jim Miller by submission. You know what? I have Miller down here. I didn't pick the round, but I have Miller as my pick as well. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me so much of Lozon versus Gomi. Um, Lozon has better hands than Miller. At least punching power. Um. Yeah, I think that Miller is going to get it. I mean, what was Miller's last fight? It was a loss against Michael Chiesa, right? Yeah, he actually is coming off two losses. He lost to Diego Sanchez and Michael Chiesa. You know, and I mean, Chiesa is on like a, a bit of a tear. Oh, right that now. was an ugly. But uh, but yeah, I mean, those are you know, Diego right. Sanchez is a wrecking machine. So <coughs> great so, fight. Yeah. So next up, we got Gegard Mousasi versus Thiago Santos in the middleweight division. And uh, they list uh, Mousasi's country as Iran. Awesome fight. But uh, isn't, isn't he actually a Dutch citizen, Gegard Mousasi? I think he's a, a Holland. Oh, yeah, totally. He's from the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah he's from the Netherlands. He's, but they haven't listed as, in, as uh, his country of origin as being Iran. I don't know. I think that's, that's uh, some, huh. some conspiracy shit right there, if you ask me. Conspiracy. You know, uh, Tiago Santos was uh, a last-minute replacement. I I can't remember who Musasi was supposed to fight originally, but um, yeah, it's a great fight. I mean, uh, Santos so aggressive. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is the type of fighter that can like really beat Musasi. Um, ah, it's gonna be a really, it's gonna be. a really interesting fight because uh, Tiago, where he's at yet, you know, like when he knocked out Nate Marquardt, it was like, okay, like he looks 30 pounds heavier than Marquardt and he's like 10 years younger and uh, he's just like a vicious striker. So it's going to be a good fight because Musashi's so technical. You think they get the group? Yeah, and uh, gonna kickbox versus Muay Thai. 
Yeah, and also uh, Marquardt hasn't really looked good in his last few fights. He looks, he's been looking a little chinny, you know. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm picking Musasi. Picking Musasi in this one. Yeah, me too. Yeah. The next one, what do we got here? Oh yeah, we got Diego Sanchez versus Joe Lozano in the lightweight division, and this is going to be a barn burner, man. I think uh, two of the toughest guys oh, man, in the UFC, be so man. Good. Yeah, I mean, two of the toughest guys. I mean, Sanchez has never been knocked out. I think, right? <laughs> never been KO'd. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he hasn't. Yeah, you know, Lozano, great grappler. Diego's a great grappler, but he's he's also just a tough motherfucker, man. And I think I think both of these guys are two and two in their last four fights. So they're both kind of entering this whole thing, you know, sort of, you know, kind of in the same position, I guess. Um I think all right. I I'm a huge Diego Sanchez fan, but I'm gonna pick Lozon by decision. Yeah, I mean, I think that Lozon could maybe even be the first guy to uh, TKO okay. Diego. He's just has such heavy hands, Lozon. And um, uh, I was, I was like, man, did that go to a decision? Um, but no, PJ Penn TKO'd Diego. Oh, remember that head kick? That just oh like yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Opened okay. his head up. Yeah, I thought that maybe that wasn't a doctor stoppage, but it was. That was brutal. It was perfect head kick. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going for Lozon here. Huge Lozon fan. Diego is just if he went back to his jujitsu roots, yeah. He's you know, he almost beat Ellenberger um just by grappling. It was a very close fight. And uh that was when Ellenberger was still like, you know, on a tear. And uh and then he goes to the just like plotting rock'em sock'em robots beating like Diego and it's just not <laughs> It, you know, I guess it's fun for some fans. I don't really enjoy it because it's like constantly running forward, throwing one twos. Yeah. Um, I yeah, I think that he could run into a Lozon punch. He, I don't think that on the other end that Diego has the power to knock out Joe. So. Nah, I'm picking Lozon on this. I, I'm going to say it's going to go to a decision though, but you know, we'll see. I guess. So now we come up to our Sage Northcutt versus Enrique Marin. Um, and this is like a hype fight, man. I mean, look, I got nothing against Sage Northcutt, but um, yeah, this is like a clear example of uh, you know Dana White grooming some guy for future. <coughs> and uh, I think I think Northcutt's a you know awesome martial artist. Like I don't you know I don't have any problem with that guy, but I kind of feel like he doesn't really deserve to be on UFC 200. You know, I feel like everyone else on this card. Are veterans who have earned their place on like a monument event like this, you know, and and I just don't feel I feel like it's out of place putting him on here, especially over Jim Miller and Takanori Gomi, over Gegard Musasi and Tiago Santos, over Diego Sanchez and Joe Lozon to put him that, you know, like it just to me it it just rubs me the wrong way, you know. I mean, I don't know. How do you feel about this? You know, I, you know the the nostalgic person in me, the the longtime MMA fan. Yeah, I'm like, this is ridiculous. This guy hasn't done anything, you know. And they're gonna they they want to build, and I, that's the other part is they want to build up a young fighter. And I understand that, you know, you, you can't constantly rely on 
the Gomes, the Lozans, the Sanchez, and the Millers. They're not going to be around forever. You know, we're getting pretty close to the end of their careers for sure. Yeah. And you need to build up someone like Northcutt. The only problem is he's pretty much just a pretty face. He doesn't seem like he's very good off his back at all. And all you hear are constantly stories about how he's coddled and how that he's just not training as hard as he could be because his father's always with him and is like his, you know, manager. Yeah. And he's not at a real camp. Nope. And it's like, you know, how far is that going to go? On a side note, I don't know. His physique is a little, you know, I don't know. (laughs) You think there might be some supplementation going on there? Yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe. Yeah. You know, he, he. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like he's like twenty one, and you're like, uh, like he has like probably like you know the most cut, muscle packed, lean physique in the UFC. You know, and it's like, yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. know. It's kind of weird for like a twenty one year old kid. You yeah. Know? I mean, I don't know. It's kind of funny. It's like. What comes to mind is I went to high, I grew up with this kid named Danny Pachowski and he, uh, you know, was he he had abs when he was like ten years old. This guy was like a genetic like freak, and uh, you know he played. I think he played three sports. You know, fall, winter, spring. I think he did all three sports. Um, I remember he showed up to uh, football practice uh, when we were freshmen or sophomores or whatever. He had missed the first three practices because he was on vacation somewhere. And then he showed up, took off his shirt, was like shredded. And we start practice by running a mile. And he like was, with just the first day after missing three days, was like 20 yards ahead of everybody, not 20 yards, maybe about 15 feet ahead of everybody running a mile. And he was like, you know, just like this genetic specimen so maybe north cuts like one of those guys like who is 10 years old with like shredded abs and like you know <laughs> little hercules he's like all like you know vascular and stuff but i don't know man like i um you know i i, I don't i don't really have anything any beef with him except for the fact that i'd like to see him work through some competition instead of like going for the money shots all the time you know what i mean i, I kind of feel like I'm against the system that has put him where he is. I don't think that he's necessarily like an evil guy or has like any of these like, but then again, it's like if you were a 21 year old kid, you had like a record that was, you know, I mean, he came out of this uh, local uh, fight promotion and then you got drafted by the UFC. You got to take that opportunity, you know? And um, I just wish they would put him up against some real competition instead of like some of these guys, you know, they, they, that's my only real issue with it. And I don't think he should be on UFC 200. He should be on some other. No, I don't think fight. he should be on 200. You know, on the real competition thing, though, we're talking about a kid that came into the UFC who was, um, I think he was just 6-0. and zero. Yeah. You know. That's tough, man. And, and, I, and I don't fault him. He seems like a really nice kid. Yeah. And he is. He's, like, really young. And, yep. You know, he's sort of goofy in, like, a, a very 21-year-old way. Just Absolutely. Like, oh, gee, here I am in the UFC. Woo. Yeah. You know? Um but, you know, I understand. They grabbed them. They wanted to get them before somebody else did, and they took a shot, and, they, you know, it might not add up. And eh, a, lot, a lot of different feelings on the subject. Yeah, you know, I guess I do. But, you know, it, it's, a, it's a showbiz fight, you know, whatever. It's on there. Totally. 
And then we got uh, the TJ Dillashaw, Rafael Sunsal um, bantamweight contest rematch. And, you know, I already said a lot about my feelings about TJ <clears throat> Dillashaw, and I feel like he got robbed by, like, not getting a, an immediate rela- uh, rematch with his uh, defeat to Dominic Cruz. You know, he lost his title. It's a close fight. Um, why not give him an immediate rematch, you know? And, uh, I mean, his son Sal is, like, he's 4-0. He's um, in his last four. You know, he's a badass. So, and like what you were saying earlier, it's like you got an elim- uh, like a contender elimination here. You know, and out, out of this, you're going to have one guy who would get the clear shot at the title for the next fight. So, um, to me, I, I'm, I'm going to go with TJ Dillashaw on this one. <coughs> you know, I feel like he's evolved enough over the years to, uh, you know, to, to get the win on this one. So Yeah, totally, man. Um, sorry, can you talk for a minute? Yep. Hello? All right, cool. It was All weird. Right. There's dead silence. Sorry right, about cool. that. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, that Asuncao fight before was very close. And I do think that Asuncao did win. It was very close. Man, the new this TJ is not that TJ. Exactly. I, Asuncao's in for... A rough night, you know. This is—I think a son's out has grown. Um, he's grown too, but this this TJ. The only thing I'm worried about is that TJ comes out hyper aggressive because he's pissed about not getting a title shot. He's pissed about losing his title to Cruz in the fight that he thought that he won. I thought he lost it. I thought he won two rounds. Um, I'm just worried he comes out and just tries to be so aggressive and then just gets caught. You know. Otherwise, I think he wins. Yeah, one of the, one of the things is I think that having lost to Dominic Cruz, I feel like his loss to Dominic Cruz was due to his aggressive nature um, of that fight. So maybe if he spent some time studying that film, he might be like, okay, I got to dial it back and fight smarter. Because I think he he came out swinging for the fences against Dominic Cruz, man. Like he wanted to K, he was searching for the KO as opposed to letting it come to him. I think. And that's what ultimately cost him that fight. And I kind of feel like, if anything, that may hopefully serve as like a, a learning experience for him. And he might carry that into the Asun Sal rematch. Right, so, yeah, uh, he also didn't have enough diversity, I don't think. Uh, talking um, about against, he got done going to the well a little bit too Cruz. much, TJ, yeah. in that fight. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I'm sure that Bangs worked with that a lot. Totally, yeah. So this is actually a really interesting fight. We got uh, Johnny Hendricks versus Kelvin Gastelum at the uh, at the welterweight division. And um, amazing, yeah, it's it's going to be both of these guys have kind of fallen from grace a little bit. You know, Johnny Hendricks, former champ, uh, fresh off a KO loss to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, and uh, Gastelum has never he's had a lot of issues with making weight, um, health issues, and since the Ultimate Fighter hasn't really hit his stride I feel like in the UFC you know so um, this should be this is kind of like a make up you know wake up or break up kind of vibe for both of these guys I feel like um, you know it's like the battle of the wrestlers uh, Hendricks got to win I feel like in order to stay relevant in the division Hendricks has got to win this fight otherwise he's sinking I think Gastelum, yeah Gastelum needs to win too because He's been sort of unimpressive. Even his even his wins have been unimpressive, really. 
you know, so he needs to show something in this fight as well. Um, but, you know, I think that these two guys are, are kind of uh, a good match, though, for each other, you know. I feel like we might see Hendricks uh, with that heavy left hand again in this fight, you know. And um, for me, I'm going to pick Hendricks because he, you know, he used to be a champ. He has, he has had that winner's mindset before. And I just think that mentally, if he's able to connect to that, the mind of a champion again, that he can, he can pull this one off. Yeah, this is a fight that actually, back when Kelvin was coming off the Ultimate Fighter, and I think he had a couple wins in the UFC, I was like, dude, this guy, this could be the, this could be the future. This guy could get the title shot. He'll be fighting against Johnny. Johnny was the champ at the time. And then, uh, you know, they both fell off a little bit. You yeah. know, I mean, Hendricks had that loss to Lawler, which, um, yeah, I mean, I thought he deserved to lose that. He was he was done in that fifth round, you yeah. know. And he was kind of running away, and uh, Lawler was coming after him. And then in that last fight, um, when he got hit with that spinning back kick and follow-up punches against the fence in the first round, it was like, whoa, now you just got finished. You know, somebody who Hendricks has just been like super durable. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're right. You know, this is like a total make or break fight because uh, you know Gastelum too has been so inconsistent. You know, going up to middleweight, coming back down to welterweight. Um, he lost against Magny, mm-hmm. and then I was like, huh. You know, is it going to be is Gastelum going to be like a sort of BJ Penn story, Sands, you know, two division champion? Um, you know, does he work hard enough? I I don't know. And at times when I watch him, I'm like, uh, it doesn't seem like he works hard enough. But I'll tell you this. If Gastelum loses, you know, in, not a, I guess maybe all the shine comes off and it's kind of like, all right, well, this guy's in the middle of the pack welterweight and that's actually what we got. If uh, Hendricks loses, we're talking about a former champion losing three times in a row. Yeah. Um, I think maybe he had a win in there against Matt Brown, actually. Between yeah, he beat Matt the, Brown. That's right. I don't know where it falls, like, though. Yeah. That would be really, really bad for his for his, his career, you know? But uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to side with uh, with Hendricks on this one, man. I think that he's got, you know, the work ethic and, you know, to, to get through a fight like this. You know, I, I honestly, just based on, like, the stuff you read about Gastelum, and the problems with his weight and all this other stuff. And, you know, when he was working with Mike Dolce, he was having no problem, you know, reaching weight. And then he stopped working with him. You know, there's like, uh, those are, those are things that may, might indicate like a certain lack of commitment possibly. You know, I don't know. I mean, I'm talking on my ass cause I don't fucking know any of this shit really, but you know, just like for my novice, uh, you know, opinion about all this. But both these guys actually work with Dolce. And uh, yeah, so Hendricks, you know, he he was like, oh, yeah, I got this meal plan now where my wife and I, we cook all of my food on like Sunday for the whole next week and put it in Tupperware in the fridge. And I like, you know, like, uh, all right. And then, and he he notoriously balloons between fights. Yeah. You see these pictures of him and you're like, whoa, dude, Johnny Hendricks. Eight Johnny Hendricks this is crazy. Yeah, he gets up to like um, two twenty five or some shit like that, or two thirty. Oh, it's crazy. He gets yeah. so big. Same thing with Weidman. No, to... Apparently, apparently Weidman gets up really high in weight too on off when he's not in camp. Except for this last fight, apparently 
when he lost to Rockhold, he was keeping his weight like around 200 or something like that. So he, um, <laughs> yeah, so he, but you know, whatever he had, I mean, I don't know. He said he had dieted down like really, really close. Yeah. But you, you got two guys that both have like mental blocks at times. I mean, Hendrix, he always makes, always, I wouldn't say he makes excuses. He always sound, says things that sound like excuses. He's like, oh, I, you know, when he, I think when he lost to Lawler, he was like, oh, I was only using 60% of my punching power. It's like, yeah, well, what, what does that even mean, dude? Even or like, sense. you know, there was another fight in there somewhere. He's like, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't tie it correctly. Or like, I don't know. There's always, just, he yeah. always says something and it's like, just say nothing. I mean, if I was going to fight Robbie Lawler, I'd probably try to bring a gun or a knife in the ring with me, man. I, mean, I wouldn't <laughs> be like oh, 60% of my punching power. I'd probably come in there with a suit of armor on, you know, to fight that guy. <laughs> I mean, you know, that guy, you, you want to take everything, every resource with you against a dude like that. All right, so moving up the line, this is the uh, the top of the FS1 prelims is uh, Kat Zingano versus Juliana Pena at the Bantamweight uh, women's division. And uh, I don't know, man. I'm, I think I might take, um, you know, go out and get like uh, get a pizza during this fight, really. I don't know. I'm like, I can't, I just can't get that interested in this, man. I, you know, it's... Uh, you know, Zingano hasn't fought since her loss to Ronda last year. And Pena is on a two-fight uh, streak, win streak. But didn't Pena also come off a big injury? <coughs> didn't someone in her camp, like, crank her leg or, like, fall yeah, her knee. ACL or something like that? Yeah. Yep. So uh, so she's back with a vengeance, apparently, and uh, fighting uh, Kat Zingano. And, like, yeah, she had some, like, legal issues, too. Really? Like yeah, what? she got like in a brawl or something with oh, like shit. some of her teammates, like in a street fight or something crazy. And, wow. Uh, yeah, she was kind of crazy. And Zingano talking about people ballooning up. Apparently, she had just she had dieted down thirty pounds in the last month or something. There was like a, she did like an Instagram photos, like um, timeline of it. It was like, oh yeah, hey, look, I used to weigh 178 pounds, and you know now I'm tidying down. Yeah, she did it, you know. She, but yeah, that's pretty. You're like, wow, it's that, that stuff. That kind of stuff amazes me, man. I couldn't imagine weighing 30 pounds more, kind of accidentally, you know. Like, oh yeah, I just whoops. yeah. It's like, well. The thing is about the division, say like, you know, you fight at like 135 or whatever, like these, these two ladies, but the day of the fight, you know, you're like 145. So you're, you're conditioned, you know, well, actually for women, it's probably not as big of, it's probably more like 140 because like women, it's like their, their weight cutting is a little bit different than men. So with, with a man. There's probably like a an eight or ten pound difference after rehydration of when of the weight you actually fight at. So, so when you're in shape and you've done your camp, you're probably like ten pounds above where where you fight, roughly eight to ten pounds. So then on the off season to put twenty pounds on, like some of these other guys do, is like you got. I, I mean, for you too probably, and probably more so you because you got like a hummingbird uh, metabolism. 
You gotta like try to put on twenty pounds, man. You gotta throw all caution to the wind to put that kind of weight. You gotta on. eat like eat shit like a pig. Yeah, you know. So I, that that always blows my mind when I hear those stories about people and their weight. You know. But yeah, uh, it's crazy. You know, Zingano's got this really beautiful. Um, it's like a she has like a suplex and this like lateral throw and yeah. Um, I love her takedown game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pena has much better striking in the ground game. It's a good fight, but yeah. it's so difficult when you see two people where you're like, the thing about Zingano is she did beat Tate. She yeah. like mauled her. True. That's, that's true. Um, and Tate's the you know, current champ. But I feel, you know, but then Zingano got destroyed by Rousey in a, in a, in a like eight seconds or something. She got arm bar. She like ran across the cage and then where you got arm barred. You're dumb. Um, huge mistake. Yeah. So it's like, uh, it, it, it's weird. It's so weird. Cause then how would she fare against Holm? I'd like to see that fight. So I hope that happens after this, I guess. Pena seems like, you know, she's very well-rounded. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that she excels in anything. Whereas I think that Zingano also is, she's more meat and potatoes, you know? Well, either in either event, the winner of this fight is probably like one or two fights away from fighting the title, really. You know what I mean? And like I said, like, you know, it's just kind of like the differential in skill sets within the women's divisions is like, it's like the difference between like the top five in the men's division, they're all pretty close. But like with the women's division, there's like huge differences between one through five. You know what I mean? As far as skill set goes and, and just abilities. So if Juliana Pena wins this fight against Katzengano, she might have one more fight to win before fighting for the title. And same thing with, with Katzengano. But I kind of like did a little bit of uh, MMA math on this one for my pick. And since Katzengano defeated Misha Tate, who's at the top of the heap right now, I'm picking Katzengano to defeat Juliana Pena, even though Juliana Pena never fought Misha Tate, hasn't fought her yet. But I, I like qualitatively compared Juliana Pena to Misha Tate, and I sort of like triangulated that Misha would beat her in a fight if they were to fight together. So that's how I arrived at Katzengano as my pick to win. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think. Um, uh... I think I think I think Zingano could win, but if she comes out super aggressive again, I could see uh, Pena like clipping her with like a like a check hook, and then it's like later you're out. Uh, Pena's striking is way better than Zingano's, but um, I don't know. Maybe Zingano's improved upon that. It's so tough because they're all so raw. You know, it's like yeah. you know, how many fights have they each had? Like Pena nine fights, uh, Zingano ten fights. You know, it's like you were talking about when in, in women's MMA, there's not a lot of people that have like tried and true records. So yeah. you can't really gauge where the division truly is probably for a couple years. You know, it's like, yeah. Fighters like Jessica, I, you're like, Oh yeah, this, they seem pretty good. And then like they start losing more than you thought they would because they're not exactly what you thought they were. Um, it's just hard to gauge. Yeah, just the competition so erratic. It's like so all over the place that it's really hard. To, yeah, it's hard to like sort of, you know, make uh, logical predictions to some of these things. So that's the uh, that rounds out the uh, FS1 prelims, and now we're on to the main card. And uh, this is a 
the next one, you know, the, the opening fight on the main card is uh, Cain Velasquez versus Travis Brown at heavyweight. And uh, <clears throat> Velasquez hasn't won since 2013. He hasn't won a fight since 2013. That's okay. crazy. Just let that sit there for a while. Let, absorb that concept for a minute before moving on. That's yeah. wild. So in, in my opinion, this is kind of, a, another, once again, another do or die situation for Kane. You know, he's been inactive, been plagued by injuries. He lost his title to Fabrizio over Doom. Um, you know, there's been the, uh, the sort of concept that maybe he's been damaged beyond repair in training and that this might be the end of the line for him. And this fight may or may not prove or disprove that idea, you know. You know, and, and Travis Brown is a scary matchup for anybody. Um, you know, they both lost to Verdum. Brown's 2-2 two and two in his last four. Um, and it depends, I guess, on which Cain Velasquez shows up to fight this fight, you know. If uh, he's healthy, you know, and all, he doesn't have any uh, torn joints or anything like that, and he's in shape, I see Cain taking Travis Brown out. <coughs> However... If the if the cane that shows up that showed up to fight Fabrizio Verdum, now I know there was altitude. You know, I know there was the idea of ring rust, but if that guy shows up, I don't. I see Travis Brown defeating him. So, but at the end of the day, I still think Cain Velasquez has a few more fights left in him, and I th I think he's going to take Travis Brown. Yeah, I'm not, I really don't like Travis Brown, actually. He wow. annoys me. Yeah. Um, I also think that Glendale is a terrible team. Yep. And that's where he moved from uh, Jackson Wink and went to Glendale. Uh, and he hasn't done anything for him, you know. I, I think that he can sometimes get a little too wild, like in the Antonio Silva fight where he, he started getting cute with a bunch of jumping crazy things. And uh, hurt his knee. And, uh, you know, that last fight against Mitrione? Oh, he, yeah. Like, just the eye pokes and everything. the shit out yeah. of his eyes. Oh, it was just disgusting. So, he's this is the perfect fight for Kane. Yeah. You, you got Brown, a really tall guy. What is he, like 6'4 or something? 6'6? 6'7. Tall, long guy. Yeah. Tall, long guy. You know, Kane. Like, I don't know where his knees are at. Just one shot. That's all he needs is just one power double. Boom. Get it in there on his hips. Slam him. Mount. Raining down TKO town. Like I, I really could just see that happening because, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much uh, takedown defense uh, Travis Brown's really working on with his boxing coach. But, um, you know, what do I know? I'm going for Velasquez by brutal destruction. Vicious ground and pound. <laughs> Vicious. I'd like to see that. I just, I'm nervous about Kane these days, though. You know, if this was a couple of years ago, I would have been like, no brainer, man, Kane, you know? And uh, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan of his, you know, and I want to see him win, you know? But I'm still going to go with Kane. I'm not going to name a round or a method, but I'm going to go with Kane as, as, uh, for the W in this one. Now, He's the, only 33, man. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the next fight has got 
a lot of weight on it. It's a Jose Aldo versus Frankie Edgar rematch for the interim featherweight title. Once again, a bullshit title. In my yeah, opinion. like the UFC like doesn't care about the featherweight division. Yeah. They're like, whatever, you know, here's here's a uh, interim title for McGregor. Okay, and then he gets the real title. All right, well, he's we don't know what he's doing right now. He's doing whatever he wants. Yeah. So then let's make another interim title. And he's not going back to 45, man. He's Which not. is a crime, man. I really would love to see Frankie fight him. You know, I feel it. Hell yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a crime that he got the title without fighting Frankie Edgar. You know what I mean? It's like in any logical world, he would have had to have gone through Frankie Edgar to get the title shot. And it's like, oh, man. And there's what no an logic asshole. to that. Yeah, totally, man. You know, and you know, he uh, beats the best featherweight of all time. And then rather than defending the belt, he goes and, and fights uh, uh, a tweener, lightweight, welterweight in Diaz and loses. And then is like, no, 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 I'm going to do that again. And you're like, you just beat the best featherweight in the history of MMA. Like, solidify your legacy, you know, like, it's crazy. It's kind of disrespectful. Totally disrespectful and, like, you know, totally not in the spirit of competition, which is what this whole thing's supposed to be about, you know? It's like, you want to always be fighting the best people at all times, especially if you have a title to defend, you know? And, like, it's clear to me that he has no business fighting at 170, because he can't even beat a guy who's a 155er at 170, who doesn't even fight in that division. And I don't, I don't think he would fare. He, you know, McGregor might be in the might be in the top ten maybe at 155, but there's no possible way he would beat any of the guys in the top five, like you know Khabib Nurmagomedov or any of those guys. You know, Eddie Alvarez, Alvarez versus McGregor. Maybe. I we'll mean, see. maybe that's like maybe one of the guys he could beat. You know, maybe. But then again, like that, that just that jump in weight and his knockout abilities completely different at 155. I mean, look at what, look at what just that that jump in weight did for for Poirier. You know, he put on you know an extra 10 pounds. He got more more power. McGregor doesn't have the power to knock guys out at that heavier heavier weight class. Anyway, let's talk about Frankie and Jose though. For sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is like my, the, you know, the fight between the two best guys in the division, you know, total pros, you know, guys who are going to someday probably be either one, if not both, will be inducted into the Hall of Fame eventually for the UFC. And, um, you know, Aldo has beaten Frankie before in a close matchup. Uh, so, yeah, this, this is like, uh, you know, once again, we're looking at one of the guys who's probably going to be champ again at some point. Um, only because of the way Jose was beaten by, by uh, McGregor am I going to make this prediction that Frankie's going to win? Same thing. Yeah. Same thing, man. I, I, sometimes you're driving along fine, and then you're not. Yeah. You realize, wait. There aren't any wheels on this car, man. What the hell? There were just wheels on this car yesterday. Where'd they go? You know, it's like, I love Aldo. He he, totally. he was amazing. I just feel like now is Frankie's time. It's crazy that I'm saying, like, you know, now. Like, we're talking about a former lightweight champion. I think we're going to see an, a, another two-division champion. And shit, dude. 
I'd love to see him go down to win, win 145, go down to 135, try to become a three-division champion, something that's never been done before. Yeah. You know? I mean, Frankie can make 135. I mean, he's only he walks around at like 149 pounds or something <coughs> like that. You know, he fights. He pretty much fights at the weight that he – he probably walks around at the weight that he fights at, you know, right. for the most part. He only, he only cuts a couple pounds here and there. So, that yeah, the 135 is well within his ability, you know, to cut down to. And uh, I'd like to see that fight, you know. So now we got the uh, women's bantamweight title defense featuring Misha Tate versus Amanda Nunez. And um, I don't know much about Amanda Nunez, i got to be honest. I've seen her fight. Maybe I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I know I've seen her fight. I know I've seen her fight. But I don't remember anything. The question I have is why is she fighting Amanda Nunez as opposed to, um, I don't know, like, I know there was the uh, Holly, idea of Holly Holm rematching her, you know? I mean, why not give Holly a, uh, <laughs> a rematch even though she got finished too, you know? Why not? It been a very competitive fight up until the finish. Totally. It was an interesting fight, you know? Um, well, a couple interesting things about this is that uh, – Nunez actually lost to uh, Katzingano also. Oh, okay. Yeah, because actually Katzingano has quite a few wins. I think that she's one of the only people she's lost to, I think, has been, uh, has been Ronda, right? I'm not sure. That was it. it. That was it, That's right? it. That's the only loss she it's has. Nine, nine and one. Okay, yeah. Actually, why not, why not a man, uh, Katzingano fight Misha Tate for the title? Totally. There's a lot of questions over this, you know what I mean? Over this this matchup here. Yeah, did maybe Misha pick the Manny Nunez? I don't know. I don't know. It's a it's a weird fight, you know. I mean I think I think that Tate's gonna win. I think Tate has the ability to win. You know, dude, Tate is gritty. She's a she's a really really tough fighter. Super tough. Yeah, Doesn't she's a grinder. Quit. She's got Keeps the wrestling going. background. You know? Great ground game. Yeah. Not good striking, but you know, great ground game. And shit, man. I mean, her striking was good enough to hang with Holmes. So she fought a smart fight. She fought a smart fight against Holly Holm. You know, because like, sure. that could have gone very, very badly for her against someone like her. You know, against Holly. Um, but you know, she ended. She got the W, and she was very crafty with her her uh, her abilities there. You look at uh, Nunez's wins. And again, hey man, you know, to anybody out there, I'm not putting down the women's division when I'm like, you know, it's just it's just not caught up. It's not as developed. It's not as evolved yet. You know, there's amazing fighters in there. But you look at the strength of these uh, wins that Nunez got, and you know, Shauna Baszler, not not good. Yeah, Baszler is like on like a seven fight losing streak at this point. Like she's done. Like no. Uh, Sarah McMahon, she choked her out in the first round with a submission. You know, McMahon's one of those people that, you know, came to the UFC, was undefeated, fought against Ronda, really off the strength of being a, a gold medal Olympic wrestler. You know, other than that, she has not turned out to be uh, developing, I think, the way that we would hope uh, oh, yeah, such an right. amazing athletic person would be. And then um, she beat uh, Shevchenko. Uh, uh, oh yeah, mm-hmm. Nunez. Yeah, so you know that's that's a that's a that's a good win. But again, who's Shevchenko beat? Right. Who's she beating? You know, it's 
Yeah, it's I mean, like it's, a just, very weird it's just there's a lack of depth, and it's not it's not any you know it's like once again it's no disrespect. It's just that there just aren't enough fighters in these divisions to really warrant a strong top ten. You know what I'm saying? You know, and I, and I guess that's the point I keep bringing up about the women's women's MMA in the UFC. What do you think? You think uh, what's, what do you think's the future with Cyborg, man? I don't think that she's going to be fighting in this weight class. No. Do you think they should add a, a one forty five weight class? Just for Cyborg. Just for Cyborg. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's great watching her fight. Is great. I'm a I'm a big fan of hers. I like I like. She's Cyborg. fighting soon. She's fighting against uh, the Iron Lady. In 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 Invicta, right? No, I think it's in the UFC, the isn't UFC? it? No. Hmm. I don't know. I'll just verify that. I'm look us up a little bit. <clears throat> I remember on her Instagram feed, she got us uh, bitten by a spider. And she oh, crap. A picture of it. And I, I recommended, I wrote a comment, and I recommended that she go to the doctor to get it checked out. <laughs> Very thoughtful of you. <laughs> Dude, I know how it is with these infections, man. You know? She's like, Mike, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> I thank God. I appreciate you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, my chill. <laughs> uh, any impersonation I do of Brazilians, it comes from my uh, my best friend, Alex. So okay. it's cool. Don't worry. Nobody out there worry about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, you know, it might have just been on, like, the internet rumors. They're like, yeah, hey, cyborgs. I think it was like hinted at, you know, it's like not oh, okay. actually a fact. I think a lot uh, of these. Oh, what is that? Uh, Jermaine Day, uh, the Iron Lady is Jermaine Day Randomy. Yeah. But they're, they're fighting, but it's Invicta. To... Is it Invicta or at the UFC? We don't know. It must have just been a rumor because I don't, Sure Dog doesn't say it's coming up. So, you know, I think Holly Holm could fight at 145. You know, she's a pretty big girl. She said she would. And I would love to see that fight. That, that I would like to see. Holly Holm versus Chris Cyborg. Brutal fight. That would be a, a, a headline. I, I would love, I would drop like money for that on like a pay-per-view, man. That would be great. Two like totally, like strikers. Technique versus power. Yeah. But I mean, for, for her credit too, is like, I mean, Cyborg's like, has, has some technique. You know what I mean? Like she's, she's definitely like respectable Absolutely. technique, you know, but she could just like bulldoze people too with that, you know, the power she has. Yeah. It's crazy. All right. So now what everyone's, what you've all been waiting for is the return of Brock Lesnar. <laughs> and uh, he doesn't get an easy go of it either versus Mark Hunt. Oh, man. I mean, all right. The questions I have like, how long ago do you think they approached Brock? Like, how long has this been uh, a thing, like having Brock come back and fight in the UFC? Like, what, what, do, you, what do you think? It had to have been, this had to have been talked about for months prior to this. Do you think they always had the idea of dropping this late in the game as his return at UFC 200? I don't know, it's tough to say, man. Like, you got to think that they, like, gave him, like, time for a camp. Yeah. But they gave him an exemption because... He, I don't know, might have been on drugs. Oh, dude, come on. I mean, look at the guy. Maybe. I would say, I mean, hey, I might be wrong on this, but that dude looks like he was manufactured in a lab, you know? 
It's like Captain America, like super soldier serum, you know, or something. Yeah, like somebody went to like the Mattel factory and like dumped some like like light light dust in like the vat of like you know superhero uh, toys, and he's like came to life. That's how Lesnar was born. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I think that whole thing is real shady, man. It's like okay, you saw you know you saw we're cracking down on everybody. We're like testing. You know, like we're putting everyone on these like strict like testing procedures, except for Brock. Brock, it's cool. You know, and uh, you know, poor Mark Hunt, man. He's got to fight a guy who's probably like has been doing some like serious steroidal activity for like you know years, probably. You know, because I mean, I guess in the dub in the WWE, it doesn't even matter, right? Like you can they don't test anybody in that, right? In, in sports entertainment. Totally. With all that said, though, I mean, Brock has never really reacted well to getting punched in the face. Okay? And Mark Hunt's takedown defense has made leaps and bounds over the last few years. I think Mark Hunt, first round, t- first round KO brought over Brock. Walk away. What's that? Walk away KO. Oh, yeah, that's the only way to do it. I see him taking him out. I see him taking him out in the first round, KO, Hunt walks away, and that puts an end to uh, Brock Lesnar's uh, aspirations of returning to mixed martial arts. And look, I'd have nothing against Brock Lesnar, man. I I have respect for him. He's an incredible collegiate wrestler, freestyle wrestler. Um, But, I mean, he's he's the last few years. I mean, he's been uh, playing grab ass in WWE. He hasn't been grinding it out you know what i'm saying and oh he's been grinding yeah but it's like you know it's like those guys look i'm not a fan of the i don't like pro wrestling like this style of pro wrestling you know like the u.s style of pro wrestling but it's like the um it's not fighting you know it's not fighting and um i just think it's like a fantasy to, to be doing one and think you could do the other you know and i liked brock's career in the ufc the first time around but i feel like he got out in like the, the right way and I think that he did it was a good decision for him to get out of fighting at that point for health reasons you know I don't want to see anybody get hurt or you know injured or you know somehow have their quality of life affected because of like some injury they incurred in the sport you know <coughs> yeah I mean this is a crazy fight man um I remember in, in his first fight he fought against Heath Herring and Herring he came out and he blasted Herring with this like just a straight right. I think he broke his orbital because his yeah. eyes swelled yep. shut immediately. But Herring, when he hit him, he literally blasted him. Herring fell backwards and rolled backwards against yep. the cage. Yeah. And then Lesnar just exploded and, like, didn't even really do a double leg as much as he sort of did, like, I'm a human bulldozer and just, like, smashed Herring yeah. uh, into the into the fence. Yeah, It's been a while since he's done that, but... I'm like, man, you know, Stipe was able to take uh, Hunt down repeatedly in that fight. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, so I think that Brock could get him down once, you know. Yeah. But I think that if Brock gets hit right. once, oh, man, you're going to see him start trying to break dance again. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, because, I mean, like, you know, Mark Hunt is a knockout artist in the heavyweight division. You know, and that that's meaningful, man. There's like some power in that guy's fists. 
you know, and it might be whoever, whoever strikes their specialty first, whoever hits their specialty first might be the winner. Maybe Brock is able to get a double leg in on, on Mark Hunt, gets him down on the ground, and he wins. But once again, if Hunt touches Lesnar, it could be one of those long days, you know, or short days, actually. So, but I, I still think that just because Hunt has been active and fighting and training all these time, and Lesnar has been outside of the out of the sport for so long, I'm picking Mark Hunt in this fight. Yeah, I'm gonna pick Hunt too, because you know you can easily look at his two losses and go, oh, you know, talking about you know the people falling off, and his last two losses have been KO and TKO, but that last fight against Stipe, it took him five rounds yeah. and like three minutes into the last round, so like 23 minutes of getting just fucking beat yeah. with Stipe on top of him. Still right. getting up, you know, getting taken down, getting beat up, getting up. That was a tough fight to watch as a Mark Hunt fan. It was really, really, totally. really tough. Um, and Stipe's a champ like, now. That's the thing, champ. though, is like it took Stipe 23 minutes yeah. to finally get the doctor stoppage, you know? And uh, or the ref to stop it because it was like you know just too much accumulated damage. Right. Brock's not going to take him down that many times. He doesn't nope. have the cardio for it. Nope. Um, I'm sure Brock probably you know has harder grounded and pound because he's just a more physical guy than than Stipe and Stipe is yeah. like a lot more technical. Um. Anyways, I, I think that you know that that durability is still there and the power is still there. You know, Got to go for Hunt. Yeah, definitely. You know, Stipe is not nearly, like, he's only, like, what, like, 235, 240 pounds or something right. like that. I mean, he's, Stipe probably could do light heavyweight. He could probably make a light yeah, heavyweight. Yeah, I think so. He's, like, a small heavyweight. <clears throat> you know, and he's, he's the champ now, so losing to the champ, you know, it's, uh, you know, Hunt, it's got respectable losses, I think, you know. So now, we finally get to Johnny Bone Jones versus Daniel Cormier, two, for the gold. So stoked. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is like a long time in the making, and uh, two guys who genuinely don't like each other. <laughs> you know, there's no gamesmanship here, man. These guys really dislike each other, and, uh, you know, it shows, man. So the big question after watching John Jones uh, get a decision win over OSP, what do you think of that fight? I think John was very lucky that he fought OSP on his first fight back. Yeah. He's, he's very lucky. If he fought against DC, I think that DC would have beat him that night. Yeah. So he got the, the ring rust out. He got to see how all that power lifting affected his actual MMA game. Right. Um, yeah, he's got to get reacclimated. Fighting in the octagon. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> now this is like his second fight after coming back, and um, I mean, going into this fight, I still have a lot of questions, man. It's like I think I think Jones decisively beat DC in their first meeting, you know, and um, you know, I mean, who's actually favored to win this fight? Do you know? Probably Jones. Yeah, Jones has got to be right. He's got to be. Is it a big margin, do you think? Nah, I bet it's pretty close. 
Yeah. I don't know if that's on like SureDog. No, it's not the favorites. I normally don't pay attention like betting odds or any of that stuff. But sometimes like in a case like this, I like to take a peek at them. But uh, yeah, I personally don't know if it's how big of a margin it is. But uh, You know, the one thing is, is like Jones recently has said, um, he's like, yeah, I'm kind of over that whole thing with DC. Like, you know, he's like, I'm over it, but I don't think DC is. And I don't think that DC can be. Because John won. Yeah, you know. And and DC being, lost. Being the champ off of, like, something like that, you know, it probably haunts that guy, you know what I mean? Like, I'm the champ, but I'm really not because this guy had to vacate the title. So I didn't win it fair and square, but I beat everyone else in the division. So am I am I the best guy or the, or the second best guy? Like, it's something probably that fucks with him a little bit, you know? I'm still going to go with John Jones in this one, man. I, I just think... I think John Jones is in that the same company as like George St. Pierre and uh, Anderson Silva at his best as being one of the greatest MMA fighters the sport has ever seen. You know, to love him or hate him, you got to give him those props. He's only lost one fight and it wasn't, and it was a DQ. It wasn't even a loss. And he's fought everybody in the light heavyweight division, man, it's that, he, that he was able to fight. You know, obviously he didn't fight Randy Couture or anyone like that, you know, or like Chuck Liddell or any of these guys. They were out of the game before he arrived. <coughs> but, uh, but he's beat everybody, man. You know, he's cleaned out that division. And that's, you know. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm still, I'm still going to put my, my uh, you know, my money on John Jones to be the victor in this fight. Yeah, I think John's going to win. I think actually the emotion was, might have been helpful for D.C., but I don't know, man. In that in that Gus fight, you know, DC was still getting hit, and he's showing me he's got a lot of heart. But again, that was he. It wasn't John, and, and he he wasn't thinking this is John in front of me. You know, he was like, all right, this is Gus, and this guy's very dangerous. Um, the odds I found the odds. So apparently, he was a a, a minus two ten favorite um, uh, the first time they met. Now he's a he's a minus three hundred five favorite. Really? So he's more John's more favored this time than wow. he was last time. Even after the OSP fight, huh? Because I feel like even a lot after of... DC, you know, won the title and defended it, you know, huh? Yeah, yeah. Because I figured like after they saw his performance with OSP, that the odds might have narrowed a little bit. You know? Yeah, cool off a little bit. Huh? Oh, weird. Okay. Yep. Even bigger favorite. So. um... I'm just really looking forward to this fight, man. This fight is awesome. I like, DC seems like a really nice, honest, honest, yeah. nice guy. Um, John, not so much, but, Dude. you know, hey, his fighting is amazing, and he's, like, the best, and he is undefeated in my book. He's he's amazing, and, and I hope he goes out there, and I hope he works some John Jones magic. You know, I could use some John Jones uh, MMA magic viewing because uh, – you know, it's been a crazy year for MMA. Oh yeah, man. It's hard. You know, it's like all this stuff. Anderson, when he lost to Bisping, it was like, oh god, what is happening? <laughs> so I, I, you know, I, I hope John does something crazy. You know, it's been a while since he's been really creative. So I'd like to see something different than just oblique kicks and uh, eye pokes from him. <laughs> eye pokes, yeah. Yeah, this, I'm looking forward to Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, man. It's going to be a lot of fun, just like chilling oh, it's out, crazy. watching so fights. So much MMA. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. 
Um, so there you have it, man. That's our breakdown of the uh, International Fight Week, which is starting this Thursday and extending to Saturday. And uh, it's going to be a fun-filled three days of MMA, which will leave all you MMA fight fans satisfied. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy about it. Man. I think it's going to be cool. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, as, as we record this, we're, you know, we're ro- rolling into uh, 4th of July evening. Um, so, you know, hope everyone's had a good weekend and is, uh, at the time this post, it's going to be tomorrow, but has had a safe uh, 4th of July. No one's blown off their fingers or anything like that. So, you got anything planned for tonight? Chilling. Just chilling. Got to Got to get up early for work tomorrow. Just chilling. Yeah, you got to work tomorrow. I had a bunch of friends over. I had one fest on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Christy and I are just burnt out, ready to chill. That's cool, man. I hear you. I, I probably, I could probably uh, see the the fireworks from from where I live. I live by the close to the East River, so I could probably see all that shit. You know? Nice. I just don't like fireworks being around for yesterday. Oh, for you guys. Yep. Oh, cool. I just don't like being around that many people in one place, man. It makes me nervous, you know. I get like uh, I get itchy when there's that many people around me, you know. All right, Andrew, thanks a lot, man. And um, yeah, dude, we'll uh, have a, have a good uh, rest of your night, and I'll talk to you soon. Awesome, thanks, Mike. Take, Take care, care, man. Brother. Good seeing Bye-bye. you. Oh, the jealous eyes.